Welcome to the Global Medical Device Podcast, where today's brightest minds in the medical device industry go to get their most useful and actionable insider knowledge, direct from some of the world's leading medical device experts and companies. You know, one of the things that makes Greenlight Guru unique is our what we call our Guru Edge. And more specifically, we have a whole team of people, medical device gurus, who have a ton of industry experience prior to joining Greenlight Guru. And I thought we would try uh, something a little bit different on the Global Medical Device Podcast. I thought we would feature some of our gurus and, and let you know a little bit about who they are and their background and how they work with customers and medical device companies all over the globe. So enjoy this episode of the Global Medical Device Podcast. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Global Medical Device Podcast. This is your host, founder, and VP of Quality and Regulatory at Greenlight Guru, John Spear, and excited to have this uh, this episode. This one means a lot to me, and we'll get into it for sure. But this is a, a one of our. I, I decided to do a twist here on the Global Medical Device Podcast. We have at Greenlight a lot of amazing people, and you know some of the folks that are near and dear to me at Greenlight Guru are some of our medical device gurus. And joining me on this episode of the Global Medical Device Podcast is senior medical device guru. At Greenlight Guru, that's a mouthful, uh, Jessica Lyons. So, Jessica, welcome. Hey, thanks to be here. I think, as I was saying that, I, I remember um, you and I did a podcast mm-hmm. way back, right? Yeah, when I first started, it was, <laughs> uh, I think, like three weeks into it. Yeah, I was like, here, we're going to do this. And you're like, what? So, I wanted to um, highlight some of the amazing expertise that we have in-house at, at Greenlight. I mean, folks listening probably are aware of of the Greenlight Guru medical device QMS software. To me, what makes, and, and that's special, but to me, what makes Greenlight really special is is folks like you. You've been in the medical device industry for a while now, and you get to work with companies all over the globe. But I, I guess before we dive too deep into the conversation, I guess give folks a little bit of a background of who you are and, and what you're all about. I am a design control junkie uh, when it comes down to it, but long story short, so I'm a mechanical engineer from Rose-Hulman and I got started in kind of design and development activities at you know big company at Beckman Coulter working in the, the custom integration group. And I realized working with them just how important it was to think about you know the entire system and all of the different pieces and parts as a whole when going through and thinking about design controls and understanding kind of how everything all all fits together and, and traces through and then from there realizing that what I was missing out the, the most on was actually getting connected to customers so I took a shot at uh, consulting and realized that that was definitely not something that I wanted to, to go through and, and do mainly because I didn't get a chance to stay in the medical device industry with that consulting experience the little bits of, of med device that I got through that were just so rewarding I realized how much I was missing being in this field. So started working then at a, a contract manufacturer. So I got a chance to see all of the beginning at Beckman with design controls and then moving into contract manufacturing and supply chain 
seeing that side of things, so kind of seeing the beginning and end uh, until paths crossed again and you and I ended up uh, together at Greenlight, helping out all of our, our customers there. Yeah, and I remember the day that, you know, we didn't see Greenlight had been around, I think at this point for about a year and a half or so. And we were growing like crazy. And we had not officially started or formed a, a group called Customer Success yet, but it was something that we were, were doing. And I remember calling you because, you know, our paths crossed where you were at back then. I was doing some consulting and got to... Uh, to learn uh, a little bit more about you and how you're wired. And they're like, all right, log this in the memory bank. Uh, Jessica's a person to stay in, in contact with over the next several years. And and uh, I know you were at a company too that you'd come in and looked at Greenlight. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was like, oh yeah, let's call her because we're growing like crazy and what our customers need and what she's passionate about line up. And and I remember that, I know you do, or I suspect you do, but do you remember the day you came in for that the interview on site? Yep, I do. <laughs> Here's my recollection of it. I guess you can put your perspective on it too. But my recollection is that uh, I was on a call with a customer. I remember mm-hmm. the customer. We'll leave his name out of it for the moment. But he started asking me all these questions about statistical... Because your concern... They're like, John, I'll come in and meet with you, but I like being an engineer. Yep. Oh, you'll be an engineer. And like, you're like, I don't know. And then you came in and I'm talking to this customer and he started asking questions about statistical sample size and... And you know what to, how to do that, and that sort of thing. And I was, I'm just literally handed you the phone, like mm-hmm. he's asking questions that are right up your alley. And then that, that's my recollection. I, I don't know if your story is, varies from that or not. No, it's it's very similar. I'm I'm sitting here scribbling you notes on. Oh, don't forget to tell them about this and and, and tell them about that. And uh, you finally got sick of reading my my scribble as I was passing <laughs> it back and forth, and said, "Look." Just talk to them yourself. And actually, it was that call, that customer that made me realize that I needed to be involved with Greenlight and needed to be able to help customers exactly like them. Yeah. And, you know, from then until now, I mean, I lost track of how many customers you've like them you've gotten to work with, but it's, it's quite a few. It is. And that's the, the great thing is that we just have so many customers who are like that, wanting to understand, wanting to dive in, wanting to understand how everything works. This is the thing that sometimes, I don't know if it gets lost, but I don't know if it's clear to, to the outside observer evaluating Greenlight. But this is, this is something that makes our company special. And again, I have a bias and you have a bias, but... Mm-hmm. The, the fact that all of our customers get this, uh, this white gloves treatment. And if they need help from med device nerds or, or design control nerds or quality system nerds, we've, we've got people that this is what they did in their career before coming to Greenlight. So uh, to me, that's, that's really awesome. And uh, I guess I'm, I'm kind of rambling a little bit, but I guess share some of the, the things that you enjoy about being uh, one of the medical device gurus at Greenlight. I think one of my favorite things is just all of the different types of devices and ideas that we get a chance to interact with. I mean, there's absolutely no way at any other company that I would have gotten the opportunity to work on so many different types of devices. You know, going through and working on software as a med device, working on, you know, devices for airway, for, you know, infant care, pediatrics, orthopedics, surgery, you name it. We've covered just about 
every category of devices. And I think this is the only place where I would really get that chance. Yeah. And I know this this next thing that I'm going to ask you is, uh, I suspect it might be a little bit challenging for you to give just one, but maybe share a, a few of your favorite customer stories um, that you've been a part of over the past, uh, gosh, four and a half years. I know. Well, like you said, there are so many that I, I don't know that I can pick exactly my favorite, but uh, top ones, I think um, probably one of my favorite ones is a customer that I've been working with for a really long time now. When they went through and went through an audit for the first time, they had never been through any kind of audit experience at, at this company, at, at any other company that anyone had been a part of. So the, the team was brand new to this. So they're brand new to MedDevice. They're brand new to going through an audit. And they were like terrified as many of us who have even been through audits are. You just never know how this is going to go. And you want to be on like your best behavior. And, and you go through, I don't know how many dress rehearsals. And they spent so much time just prepping and trying to make sure that they would be right. And we had practice interviews and do's and don'ts and tips and tricks and how to do this. And on the day that they got through it, uh, they hadn't even heard yet whether they had successfully completed everything, like gotten their certificate. But the day that they finished the audit, they gave me a call and they're like, Jessica, you would be so proud of me. I did such a great job. This was awesome. And it was just how excited they were about how they had done. Just you had to smile. Like it was so awesome to hear that. Yeah, that's cool. And and I think that's one of the things, you know, for me that that's really rewarding. You know, you know I guess prior to Greenlight or, or even for a long time, you know, my um, I even go back probably, uh, I was probably a, a med device engineer for probably a year and a half before it really clicked for me. And the moment that it clicked, it was clear. It was like, my mission is to improve the quality of life. And mm-hmm. being involved with this industry and, and designing and developing products and, and bringing these products to market, I have an influence on that. And that's really important to me. And, you know, fast forward several years later, um, when I was doing consulting on my own, I was able to work with with a lot of companies. You know, maybe you know a couple dozen companies, uh, maybe more than that. I I lost track, frankly, but that's a really rewarding experience. And then fast forward a little bit uh, further yet, still, but in the green light era, you know, today we have an opportunity to work with and help hundreds and hundreds of medical device companies all over the world. And I mean, what what does that feel like? It is the best feeling in the entire world because like you said, you know, it, there's something so incredible about being able to help improve the quality of life. And I guess the thing for me is that that quality of life isn't just for, you know, the patients that these devices will impact, not for the families of those patients, but it's also the engineers who are working on them, you know, anybody in quality manufacturing. I mean, I, I don't care who you are, bringing a device to market, that's really hard and challenging because of all of the rules, regulations, documents, complexity behind it. And, you know, we can always make life significantly more complicated, you know, based off of other experiences than it has to be. And to be able to improve the quality of life for bringing the device to market for the patients and everybody who uses it, you know, it's it's so cool to get to have that opportunity. And, and what's more is it doesn't stop there because it's not just helping you know, our customers. It's when they go out and they talk to 
somebody else and, and share. I mean, this is why we put on all of those, you know, webinars and, and training things that we do. You know, the virtual summit that we just did. It's it's actually getting people to realize the intent behind all of the regulations and and to do the right thing and and it it just it keeps spreading. So I mean at some point I feel like I get the opportunity to impact everyone's life, whether they're our customers or not. I feel like the it's just always spreading to improve everyone's quality. Yeah, I hadn't thought of it like that. I guess I had always kind of thought about it from the customers that we work with, but it's a really good point. I mean, the the content, the webinars, you mentioned the virtual summit that happened recently. Uh, you know, just that virtual summit alone had like 5,000 uh, participants in it. And yeah, I know some of our content has been consumed hundreds of thousands of times. So that's a really good point I hadn't thought of. I appreciate you sharing that. You talked about being uh, a design control nerd. I mean, I can relate to that. I mean, you and I, we mm-hmm. can talk about design controls for days. But for you, why do you think you are that design control nerd? Why does that topic resonate so much with you? So the nice way of putting it is I am a type A personality. I am very precise, very analytical. And what I love about design controls is that I get to be precise. I get to be analytical. I jokingly, I get to tell people what to do. If it's written down as a design control, you have to do it. But I get to have control over making sure that you know what I think is going to be the, the best option, what I think is going to be the right thing to do that that's what gets done. There's no mistaking it because it's very clear. It's, it's explicit. All right. Well, tell me more about that because uh, you know there might be some folks listening here. I mean, let me, I guess, give a little bit more context. So I remember earlier in my career where a lot of engineers, and, and I think this, this might be conventional wisdom with a lot of folks out there even today, but I remember a lot of engineers would resist the idea of design controls and almost like their perception was that design controls were just busy work that impeded their progress. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Why do I have to write it down? I'm an engineer. I don't need documentation. That's quality's job. Yeah. Yeah, I get that. (laughs) Well, I mean, I'll hear somebody, you know, today say something like, you know, I I don't like design controls. It's too much paperwork. It's too much of a burden. And, you know, my reaction is if, if that's how you feel, well, I, I get that, but maybe you have the wrong approach, you know? Mm-hmm. Well, and I think that's the thing is that people, a, a lot of engineers, we think that design controls are too restrictive that, you know, I can't, I can't really design. I can't be an engineer if I have to do this, you know? And I, yeah. I think that that's part of why people don't like design controls. Yeah, I know. I mean, I'm sort of of the mind these days. You know, the documentation is important. Uh, you know, the the cliche if it's not documented, it didn't happen, and that sort of thing. To me, you know, like design controls and you know the documentation piece aside. I mean, it, it's a rare day that one person will be involved in the design and development of that device. Mm-hmm. Teams change frequently. You know, whether that's because new devices are coming out or people are changing jobs in the middle of a project launch. I mean, there's a lot of different reasons why your team is going to change. Yeah. And then I, I think my goal of designing and developing a medical device is to get it to market, right? And, you know, as soon as you get something to market, there's a pretty good chance, like almost 100% chance that somewhere in that product's life cycle, there's going to be a change. So if it wasn't written down... How do you know what the change is and if the change is good or bad and that sort of thing? It's just, 
to me, it's we're hopefully folks are getting beyond this point where they they realize, oh yeah, this 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 is important stuff. Yeah, for a friend of mine, it clicked when they went to a, a new job, and they were basically tasked with not in the med device industry, but tasked with going through and creating all of the design control documentation for all of this legacy product because they were making changes, and somebody had asked for some testing. And they had absolutely nothing, no history on it. So uh, they even had to go back and and redo all of the drawings based off of measurements in order to get to a new supplier. I mean, like, there's a lot more impact than people seem to want to acknowledge up front from design controls not being Mm -hmm. documented or or not done well. Last comment reminds me of conversations I've had with uh, a gentleman by the name of Devin Campbell with product and... I think he says it very well. He's like, well, when you enter into a a project, you know, don't look the six inches in front of you. Think about the end goal. Where do you want to be and what's going to happen with this thing? And then shape your your processes and your practices with that end goal in mind. I'm sure you have, and I know I have worked on design history file remediation projects. And I think this sort of thing is what drove me to eventually start Greenlight Guru a handful of years ago. I was tired of doing low or no value add activities and busy work, if you will. And there's nothing in my mind that is more busy work than documenting design controls after the fact. I mean, that is Mm -hmm. such a pain, such a pain. Well, and there's also nothing more guaranteed to end up incorrect than going through and trying to document it all after the fact year, especially if you didn't originally do it you're going to miss like that one key critical design input that has to be there in order for the whole thing to work. And you're going to end up making a change to it and you know never being able to pass testing because you can't figure out, well, we made this tiny change. It shouldn't be a big deal. Yeah. I don't know where you stand on this topic <laughs> today. I know where you used to stand on it a, a few years ago. But I guess speak a little bit about risk management. Oh, yeah. So oddly enough, I guess not oddly enough, I hated risk management at one point in time. And uh, it's one of those things that I think most people like hate risk management until you can go through and to me actually figure out like the root of what we're doing here with it. Like I think we all agree nobody wants to hurt anybody with the devices we develop. and Nobody wants to cause any harm. But Man, we've all sat in those meetings. Like they are hours upon hours, days upon days. And at the end of it, you are cross-eyed from looking at a spreadsheet and merging cell after cell. And I mean, who doesn't hate that? Well, I mean, more than that. I mean, if you've ever sat in one of those meetings, maybe the first hour, two hours or so, it might be good conversation. It might be meaningful value add. But by the time you get toward the tail end of one of those things... People have checked out. It is not a good exercise. You're sitting there like, yeah, whatever he said, go for it. Fine. That's an okay probability. I mean, you And you you stop actually like caring about it. Or my favorite is, well, that could never happen. Never in a million years. Why are we even considering it? Well, because mod database for our predicate says that this happened. Well, I mean, yeah, I guess you could. But the, the percentage is so small. I mean, it would never be there. We shouldn't even consider it. You, know, yeah. you get into theoretical arguments. So it's just, oh, I hated risk. Yeah. Well, I mean, how, how do you feel about it today? Or maybe what tips or pointers can you share with those listening to to embrace risk as, as something that's important? 
Uh, risk now is actually a lot of fun. So I, I don't know if it was just like I, I saw a better way to do it. I mean, I, I remember that first day when I was interviewing and you know you were showing one of the customers how to use risk management and I'm watching and, and learning and I'm like, oh, well, that makes sense. Like it just like all of a sudden opened my eyes and I, I realized that instead of you know trying to figure out things uh, with you know FMEA and well, is it the mode and is it the effect and is it a cause of a mode? And like, I couldn't figure out half the words, let alone what went where and when. But to just think about it in terms of, you know, actual the standard and look at what 14971 says and, and figure out in, in plain English, you know, a foreseeable event and a hazardous, hazardous situation, like all of a sudden, okay, this, this started to make a lot more sense. And then I realized we could have a lot of fun with risk. And so now we start doing examples. Like I've been on calls with customers where uh, in order to figure out like probability, we talk about like ice cream. So like if you got an ice cream cone every hour, like would that feel really frequent? Or if you got one like, you know, once a day, is that a frequent number of ice creams? Uh, You know, well, maybe you go get one, you know, once every 10 years. Is, Is that, you know improbable that you're going to end up with ice cream. And, and so we take out harm and we take out you know risk and we think about it in a lot more fun, relatable terms. I mean, no one's going to turn down ice cream. And all of a sudden now we've, we've shifted the conversation and it's, well, it's a lot easier. It's a lot more lighthearted. I know we did one conversation about Sharknado's on figuring out foreseeable <laughs> events and hazardous situations and how to tell if it's an event or a situation. I mean, like we have so much fun and by stripping it to that level and, and by interjecting a lot more joy into it, all of a sudden people now, again, we spark the passion and risk and it's like, oh, like this is important and this is something that we should do and it's not so intimidating. Uh, and honestly, um, I, I have to actually credit David Amore with... Um, his yeah. risk example um, as to why I started thinking about it in more fun terms to explain it to people. I'll come back to the David and more, but clearly you're having more fun than I am talking about risk. I haven't heard the ice cream or Sharknado story before. Yeah, no, we have a ton of fun. That was actually, <laughs> <laughs> that was a, a couple of weeks ago that we did ice, or no, a couple of days ago that we did ice cream for figuring out probabilities. And I, I guess people got really intimidated on, you know, this whole quantitative versus qualitative when it came to yeah. how we figure out the probability of something. And, uh, you know, do I, do I actually know what percentage or how many devices can I put it in a percent? Do I have to use words? I mean, it was just, it was so complicated and they, no one could agree on what it meant or how often it would occur. And so we, we tried to go back to the basics and, uh, you know, at the end of the call, I think all of us were laughing for one and, uh, two, we all understood what it meant to occur frequently versus being improbable. Mm-hmm. And when you said Sharknado, I was then I instantly started becoming an engineer and super analytical. I'm like, are you talking about Sharknado as an event or Sharknado as a movie? Because if it's as an event, it's highly improbable. But if it's as a, as a movie, didn't they make three of those things? Yeah, so they made the movie. So how if we're we're taking a look at Sharknados, like from all of this, you know, what would happen if we had the situation of the sharks in the tornado and what would the harm be? Well, I mean, you could get hurt by the shark or you could get hurt by the tornado. And so we've got a lot of different ways and interesting. Uh, you know, what kind of events would lead to the sharks being in the tornado? Well, we'd have to have the tornado and shark infested water. I mean, like we literally we, we went down this whole thing and it made it made risk a lot more fun. 
All right, folks, you heard it here first. Uh, when you're dealing with risks, consider using ice cream and Sharknadoes as, as examples to keep it a little bit more lighthearted. But I want to come back to the, the David Amore comment. And folks, there's a, I'll see if I can find that link and share it in the text that accompanies this podcast. But he has a good way of describing things. And he was talking about food rotting in a refrigerator and he was making the kick because I think a lot of people are still stuck in this FMEA land. And there's a point in time for FMEA. But my opinion is that's not the first place you start from a risk assessment standpoint. You have to understand what's going to happen with this product and how is it going to be used. And and you have to consider not only failure modes, but normal use because, you know, these are medical devices going into the body. So I think it's really important for people to sort of reprogram themselves. And, you know, I'm I'm old enough to remember before 14971, and I'm old enough to remember that risk management was just something that we did as part of the design and development process. You know, that's why the whole design control process, in and of itself, is a risk-based approach to to good uh, design practices. Yeah, and I, I think that's part of it is that risk and design controls they just they go hand in hand and. Uh, I think another reason why people don't really like, you know, risk management as well is because it, it feels almost like, well, I've already, I've already done all of this. Like, I already designed my device to be safe. I already, you know, eliminated all of these things. You know, it's I keep getting told, well, there's there's good design practices, so we we design around pinch points and put covers in place. And so why do we why do we have to think about all of these things? Why do we have to document them? And I think some of it is because we all think about risk from, you know, growing up from engineering school, the the FMAA world. And, you know, we're thinking about after I have this device made, what are some of those failures? What could go right. wrong? But if we if we start it from the very beginning, before I even know what this device is going to look like, well, yeah. now all of a sudden it, it makes it a lot easier. It makes a lot more sense. And well, I don't want somebody to get pinched, so I will put a cover on. Let me get credit for the work I did there and put in that as our, our risk controls. Yeah, that's a really good point. All right, so folks listening to this, you know, there's, I'm sure there's some customers listening to it, and I'm sure there's a lot of folks who aren't Greenlight Guru customers. I guess we'll start first with those who, who may not, who may just be consuming Greenlight content. And that's great because to your point earlier, this is why we do this is, yeah, of course we have software and it's great and all that sort of thing. But bigger picture is we're, we are trying to help an industry provide information, tips, pointers, so that all medical device companies can be successful in their endeavors. For those that maybe aren't necessarily interested in Greenlight or aren't at that point where they've implemented Greenlight Guru, what are some, some tips and pointers that, that you can think of or suggest that can help them be successful? So one of the things is, like I mentioned about risk, you know, starting early, you know, so no matter what it is, whether it's, you know, design controls, risk management, just general documentation, like it never hurts to start putting some thoughts down on paper, starting to try to figure these things out early. You don't have to always keep what you started with. Like that's the big thing is everybody seems really terrified to start putting things down on paper that that makes it official and and what if i change my mind and and good 
we should change our mind. Like we should go through it. And that's the design process. That's how we iterate. That's how we grow and learn. But tip for success is to put it all down on paper early, knowing that you're going to iterate on it so that one, you can figure out what's actually going to work, what what isn't. Uh, And two, you don't lose sight or lose track of something down the road. Or worse yet, end up so busy that you have to retroactively try to create these things. Because let's face it, no one has the time for that. Yeah. And I I think this is where people get stuck, right? Because they're hesitant to document something because they know it's going to iterate and change. To me, that's like exactly the time to start doing that so that I can capture my thought. And and I think when people think of design control, sometimes they think of it as, as this rigid thing. It's like, no, it's not intended to be that way. Not intended to be that way at all, you know? It's a really good yeah. tip. They worry that they're going to have to go through their, mm-hmm. their engineering change order process, change order process. Like, I mean, if you haven't done a design review on it yet, just keep changing it. Move on. Try again. And learn from your prototypes. So, you know, go through and figure out your user needs, design inputs. You, you probably really already know what those are if you're working on prototypes. I mean, otherwise, what, how are you creating a prototype if you don't know what you're making? But if you can go through and, and learn from that and make the tweaks and adjustments, don't be afraid to put to be determined in as a requirement. Yeah, exactly. Circle back and, and make those changes later. Yeah. All right, so let's change the context a little bit. Similar question, but you know, your customer just signs with Greenlight and you're going to be working with them. What are maybe a couple of tips and pointers that you can provide this new customer to gain them the most out of their Greenlight experience? In order to gain the most out of your Greenlight experience, ask questions. Please reach out to us at any point in time that you get stuck. There's absolutely nothing that we love more than getting a chance to answer questions, whether it's philosophy on design controls, you know, how do I title documents? What are some best practices for using workflows in the system? Doesn't matter what it is. Ask as many questions as you want. That's what we're here for. And that's how you're going to be the most successful. And take advantage of our Help Center content. There's some great articles in there with tips and tricks and best practices that other customers have implemented. Get a leg up, a, a different starting point than what they had you know, by using all of their knowledge to get started. Yeah, that's great. Great advice. You know, one of the reasons I wanted to feature and highlight you and the other gurus on the Global Medical Device Podcast is to emphasize, I guess, to those listening that the Greenlight experience, for me anyway, is... The customers who get the most out of the relationship is when they're when we connect on at the human level, mm-hmm. and you know, of course we have software, and of course you can use the software and never talk to anybody at Greenlight, but you know we love and care about improving that quality of life. I mean, that truly is our mission at Greenlight, and everyone at the company connects with that because you know we all have loved ones or, or in some cases our, our own selves are going through some sort of medical procedure where these products that customers or those consuming content are designing and developing and manufacturing the human element is really important and i know that you work really really hard connecting at a human level with our customers and, and i appreciate that a great deal for those listening and maybe uh 
be a little bit vulnerable here. I know I'm catching you off guard with this one, but um, what is something that someone may not know about you? What is something that they, they don't know about Jessica Lyons that people can relate to you as a human? So, I mean, obviously, you know, we can stick to the the light stuff if we wanted to say that I love dark chocolate, uh, you know, a, a good book, yeah. reading all of this. But if we're going to take it to that that next level and, and really connect as humans, I guess one of the things that some of our customers know, the ones that I, I work with a lot more regularly is... Um, that I really, truly take all of their successes and failures to heart. And when they get the concept, like the audit, when they went through that successfully, I cheered just as loudly for them as they did for themselves. Like there was nothing, nothing like it that day to hear how proud they were of what they had done. And that for me is the best part of this is getting to have so many successes and, and okay, yeah, we're all going to have that failure. You're going to not make it past the refuse to accept period with your 510k. Like you're going to get that rejection. You're going to have to go back and answer more questions or testing is going to fail. And, and I take that to heart too. You know, I, I don't want you to have to go through those failures. I'm, I'm going to try to warn you if I can, if I know of things being you know, gotchas or, or things to keep an eye on. But I'm going to take it just as hard as, as you do when you don't get to get to get through those hurdles. So for the customers who work with me a lot, they know just how much I, I take it personally, how much I care about, you know, what's going on with them and, and where they're at and the good, the bad, the ugly with it. But those who haven't worked with me or, or those who, who don't work with Greenlight at all, may not know just how much we care, just how much I care. Yeah, it's I, I can attest that well when we're in the office, you always know when, when something exciting has happened for a customer because Jessica is literally like cheering out loud and everybody in, in the office sort of stops and comes over and then she gets this awesome opportunity to to share the customer success, you know, their their major milestone that they achieve. So she does care a great deal about that. I talk a lot about, you know, this, but at Greenlight, that the heartbeat of of our company is our customer success team, and I look at you as the heartbeat of that customer success team because you know the, the, your energy is is so contagious and and your enthusiasm when you exude that, everyone on the team feels that, you know, and I think because of that. We and I mean this, you and me. We've we've built a really awesome team. Um, yeah. And of course, I got to extend that to the rest of the team too. It's the best team I've ever worked with, ever. Uh, and oh. twenty-two plus years of of working professional. I've never had a team experience like this. By far, and I mean the the whole team is so amazing in what we accomplished, you know, the challenges that we help people overcome, you know, the challenges are, are internal, external, it doesn't matter. I mean, it's just, I'm in awe every day of what the team does. Yeah. It's a truly a special group of people. And, you know, thank you so much for, for taking a few minutes to, to share some of your insights and, and your experiences on this podcast episode. And, and folks, there's going to be other episodes with other gurus. So, you know, you'll be able to hopefully feel a little bit of that human connection with some of the Greenlight team members. And certainly if you're 
curious about the whole experience, the, the medical device quality management system that's designed specifically for the medical device industry by actual medical device professionals. That's right. I've been in this industry for 22 years. Jessica, I always forget. I always add years to your experience. But how long have you been in the industry? Oh, man. Uh, so I stopped counting a long time ago, right? We, we, uh, we always say, uh, so 10 to 15. I, mean, I honestly, I can never remember. We'll, we'll go with that. Right. I will always forever be this range, by the way. Yeah, she's, she's, she's ageless these days. But you know, all of our gurus, they've all been in this space. So I, I forget the total number, but it's something like over 100 years of experience across all of the gurus. We're all involved in the design and development of the Greenlight platform. So as new features are being rolled out, you know, we're involved in that. And our team stays connected to the changing quality and regulatory matters, you know, whether it's EUMDR or MBSAP or whatever, 14971 or whatever other changes. So that's something that makes Greenlight Guru unique. So if you're interested in learning more about that, I would encourage you to go to www.greenlight.guru. And uh, a lot of content there, but if you want to have a conversation, just connect with us and we'd be thrilled to have that conversation with you. Again, let me thank Jessica Lyons, Senior Medical Device Guru with Greenlight Guru for being my guest on the Global Medical Device Podcast. And as always, this is your host, founder and VP of Quality and Regulatory at Greenlight Guru, John Spear. And you have been listening to the Global Medical Device Podcast.